We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Welcome in to the Rotowire NFL podcast, the second one of the week. John McKechnie and Mario Puig here running you through uh, the big events going on in the National Football League. Mario, what's going on, man? Nothing. Uh, I was, you know, rudely cut off at the end of the last podcast when I was so eager to talk about Mike Kosicki or whatever. And now, finally, after a week of timeout, I can resume that discussion. Yeah, we can. Or two days, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> We can give the people what they want, uh, which is uh, in-depth rookie tight end discussion, and we're, we're gonna we're gonna get there. Um, but first, we're gonna get into some news and notes uh, from the NFL side of things, with you know the sort of legal tampering period going on, whatever the heck that means. Really, uh, a lot of things are kind of being solidified right now, and it'll just become official when the new league year begins. I think that's March fourteenth. Uh, but uh, starting things off here, Mario. Um, so we're looking at uh, Kirk Cousins, probably the biggest domino hitting the free agent market. He's not going to be uh, franchise tag. That's been official. So uh, everything lo- everything looks like it's in the clear for him to be courted by several teams. I saw a report uh, yesterday. I'm not sure the um, you know the veracity of it, but it said there's potential deal on the table for him from the Vikings upwards of three years, upwards of $91 million and it would be fully guaranteed. So that there's been a little bit of a pause since then about those numbers being hundred percent concrete. But I think that, you know, 
just for the purpose of this conversation, let's say that he is looking at a contract similar to that. Right. I think it makes sense for Minnesota because they're in that window where they have a realistic shot of pursuing a Super Bowl. Like every position on that team is loaded pretty much except quarterback. And they probably don't even need better than a decent one. Like Case Keenum probably should be a backup. He almost got them to the Super Bowl anyway. So someone like Cousins, I think, would really make them a good bet to turn the corner. And if they do turn the corner with him, no one would care about how much of that contract was guaranteed. Right. So and the other part of it is you only limit you know the amount of guaranteed money when there's the concern about eventual physical decline coming into play or maybe if you're worried about how good that player actually is. I don't see any reason to worry about the longevity over a three-year contract, and I don't think Cousins is a player who will hurt them with it. If, if it goes wrong, it's basically because of some kind of horrible injury that they couldn't foresee or prevent, because at least in my opinion, based on what he did last year, especially Cousins is quite good. Yeah. Definitely good enough to win a Super Bowl with that team around him. And you know, we're t- if we're talking about a three-year window, he's a guy that's going to be turning 30 during training camp, uh, and the, the way that things are going in the league right now, that's that's still kind of like entering your prime as far as being a quarterback is concerned so you're you're expecting him to be putting up peak or close to peak numbers for like up through the rest of the decade i i would be completely you know on board with, with thinking that he can pull that off so three years totally makes sense to me yeah and they're going to be picking late in the first round for the foreseeable future there's not much reason to think a quarterback as good as cousins will be a free agent next year nope. uh, there certainly isn't a comparable one in this class so looking realistically at what they can control I can't see them getting a better option than this. Yeah, if, you, if you're them, just be aggressive about it. Like, go and, you know, get that one final piece because, you know, like you said, they're a team that's loaded everywhere except for quarterback right now. So getting that final piece to the puzzle, um, I think, you know, makes them not just uh, – contenders to get back to the nfc title game but i think that makes some really legitimate super bowl uh, you know threat as well i would agree with that and i think it's pointing like cousins actually will go to minnesota and part of that is too because um we were talking about it before but mike cliss who's a local reporter around denver and one of the more reliable broncos people in general he was saying today that case keenum looks like he's linked to the broncos and this is after a couple days ago, Cliss was kind of saying they're still in on Kirk Cousins, that them being the Broncos, while another Denver area guy, uh, Ben Albright, was saying it doesn't look so much like they're in on Cousins. And you could look at that new Cliss report from today and say, oh, it looks like he's hearing the same things that Albright was hearing now, that it looks like Cousins isn't going to Denver. And if Cousins isn't going to Denver, which do we think is more likely the jets or the the vikings and i think that's a pretty easy question to answer so uh keenum being linked to the the broncos i think is further reason to think cousins is going to minnesota and if cousins does go to minnesota then yeah keenum really might be the only recourse that denver has at that point but it's not much of an inspiring recourse i don't think right but let's get into the fallout uh say you know say cousins ends up in minnesota or you know for for this specific topic let's say denver doesn't get cousins denver ends up with case keenum uh bottom line there does that change their draft strategy at all i don't think so i think it's more like if they don't get cousins they know they're taking a quarterback with that a fifth pick yes and it's a question at that point of do they want to go with the rookie and no uh, you know, second option, or do they want to get some stopgap options? Some, you know, like the the Kurt Warner to the Eli Manning, that mm-hmm. kind of thing. 
And I don't think Case Keenum is particularly good. I think, especially if Denver gets rid of Demarius Thomas, apparently John Elway has had a thing about getting rid of Thomas the past couple of years. If they do that, then Case Keenum is really going to struggle in Denver, I think. So I think it would be going toward the rookie by the end of the year anyway. Mm-hmm. But I think that's the best that Denver can really do is take Keenum, hope he's as good as he was for the Vikings last year, knowing he probably won't be, but what are you going to do about it? Yeah, I don't think that he'll necessarily be a disaster, but but I don't think that we're ever going to see that level of play that he did uh, last year in Minnesota. Better than uh, Simeon and Lynch, but yeah, I don't, if I that mean, inspires anyone. What yeah. if, I mean... It's just it, this would be totally speculative, but uh, I feel like Chad Kelly's still the most talented quarterback on that roster. It, as crazy as it sounds, but then again, he has no might, real experience in the NFL. Be. Yeah, he could be. It's just one of those things. They're not going to hitch any. <laughs> what is a crazy movie? person who's like, I don't know? He 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 might settle down, I guess, but he seems like he's you know not one of the likely ones to ever get it he was supposed to and then he gets in a fight at like his cousin's high school football game when he was like a very visible and there was that thing where he was like i'm gonna go get my ak yeah he did say that yeah so not cool did anyone does he have an ak did anyone look into that i don't think he's supposed to have one definitely not supposed to okay well (laughs) chad kelly i'm i'm gonna bet on case keenum and uh, man even even like josh allen i almost would have to figure capable of pushing him out of the way but if it's darnold if it's mayfield i definitely think that uh they'll be making starts in in 2018 for denver if they get picked there and knowing what you do about uh denver's offensive coordinator and their coaching staff and their their general scheme uh you know this is looking beyond keenum but who would you say between a mayfield or a darnold say they're both on the board at five who kind of fits that system better well i think those two would probably fit a lot of the same systems just because they can probably bootleg totally fine like they're athletic enough to throw on the move they've generally shown the ability to do it at various points i don't really know what to make of the specific offensive approach bill musgrave is their offensive coordinator who they just hired after firing mike mccoy who you know might have more memorably been linked to san diego in recent years for most people when he was the head coach there so they'd be going away from the mccoy offense to musgraves i don't i can't i looked through mike or i looked through musgraves like coaching history his offensive coordinator experience and it's in a bunch of places with offenses that weren't very good and he was there for a short amount of time in each case so it's kind of like mm, like brian schottenheimer well schottenheimer uh at least musgrave is not at least i don't know if he's a scion of other fail coaches but he seems to have kind of been a little more self-made than the great uh second shoddy and it looks like musgrave has maybe a little more respect around the league and in the media than his uh, resume would lead one to assume because he was in carolina for one year in 2000 jacksonville for two years 2003 2004 minnesota from 2011 to 2013 and he was in Oakland the last two years, and it's one of those cases where they did some promising things with Derek Carr over the last couple of years, but especially more in the the first of those two years because last year was not good no. all around. But on the other hand, there was a lot of rot on that team. I think that you could trace to Jack Del Rio, and maybe you can't really pin all the dysfunction on Musgrave specifically. Also, I think Derek Carr isn't very good, and I thought that was going to get exposed sooner or later. So I'm, I'm 
given what I think about Carr, I'm not going to specifically judge Musgrave for that, but I also don't really know what he is. It's hard to tell because he never really had a chance to build with decent personnel. And I don't know if that's going to really be any different in Denver. So I think either one of those rookies may feel any of the ones that are plausibly going to go to them are just fine because it's not like any of these guys are, you know, a Tom Savage or anything like that. No, no, they're, they're not just getting pushed up for the sake of it. These are all, you know, pretty legitimate and they all are first round quarter decently athletic, like at least like Rosen's the one who won't run, but he kind of has that functional like pocket movement kind of athleticism. Yeah. And like his 40 time was just as good as Darnold's if I remember correctly. Yeah, that could be because sometimes those guys who are never runners are actually kind of fast. Like even Derek Carr, not to, he's kind of not pertinent. To, but as an example, like he ran like a four seven flat or something like okay. that, and he never runs. But yeah, so Rosen might not have it in the skill set, but he can at least move around enough that I wouldn't worry about his ability to do play action bootlegs and throw on the run or anything like that. Okay, and that that seems to be a bit of a staple of this offense. I would guess it would be, but that's, I'm just kind of figuring it looks a little bit like Oakland last year, like maybe a little more pass heavy than the average offense, but generally nothing that interesting. I don't know. Okay. All right. So either way, uh, you know, kind of bottom line here, we, we think that Keenum to the Broncos seems pretty legit. Feel like there's a pretty good odds of that happening. And with that feel like pretty good odds, uh, the Denver ends up going after a quarterback with their, with their first pick. And do you think they stick there? That's my last question on Denver. Think stick there's, there's a lot of scenarios where a lot of those teams could do trade backs or even trades up. But I still feel like Rosen to Cleveland at one. If Rosen isn't going to Cleveland at one, I have to believe he's going to New York at two. And in that case, I, I basically think Denver's realistic options are going to be either trade up for Rosen if he does go past the first pick or sit at five and take one of Darnold or Mayfield. I would probably take Mayfield, but uh, I think conventional NFL wisdom might push toward Darnold just because he's 6'4 instead of 6'1. That's true. And he has like a massive head, too. Yeah, he has, he has a good quarterback skull. And uh, Mayfield, it's like, eh, I can't tell if he's a. Is this a quarterback or is this a gamer? I don't know. But with Darnold, you look at him and you're like, this guy can only play quarterback on earth. Yeah. <laughs> There's no other way that with that kind of skull skull set that he the has calipers are clear. He's a quarterback. <laughs> All right, we're uh, we're second year phrenology students as well as being NFL analysts. I'm self taught actually. Oh, look at you! That's impressive. Yeah, um, but yeah, let's uh, let's move on elsewhere in the league. Uh, we were talking about Seattle briefly, uh, but let's get a little bit more in depth on them it seems like they just lined up a trade as of wednesday afternoon to send michael bennett to philadelphia and that sort of signals the beginning of this mass exodus that's kind of expected out of seattle i think that there's some uh, weirdness between richard sherman and the in the team's brass and it looks like jimmy graham is also going to be walking um so i mean these are all different scenarios in which the, these players are leaving but you know the point remains seattle's going to look a lot different next year yeah, this is really strange to watch happen, and I, I don't know where it's going. I didn't quite foresee it happening this way. Like I could have imagined them getting rid of just Bennett or in Sherman. It's hard to know how much of that is just the injury because I don't think they wanted to get rid of him really uh, with Bennett. It's at least like he's reaching that point where the aging decline is a legitimate concern. And they always only had him as like a rotational guy. Like he was a big impact player, but they rarely had guys playing, you know, more than um, 
I want to say like 700 snaps a year, whereas a lot of teams ask for 850, 1,000 from their starting 4-3 ends. Mm. So it's it's something they can replace, especially with Frank Clark around. But if you're looking at an entire overhaul of that defense, it's like if Sherman's gone, if if uh, it looks like Chancellor's not supposed to be back. So Earl if, Thomas is a trade. Uh, yeah, there's him. He, he could go, and who knows what's going to happen with uh, Cliff of Real. So there's a, there's a lot changing there, and it's hard to tell how much of it is – you know a precipitated by the sherman injury like would they be so quick to rebuild if sherman were healthy right now i think they might not be but with him potentially just kind of like useless to them for the next year maybe now is the time to rebuild and i think it'd be a little bit too much to just kind of say seattle is over now as long as they have russell wilson they're gonna be and they're gonna be competitive well there's that and i still think the defense has some talent on it i mean clark is definitely good uh, if they bring back Sheldon Richardson, it looks like Malik McDowell is on some sort of weird situation with his concussion or whatever. Right. But if he can come back, he's a great athlete. And exactly play it all last year. I mean, it, it's really, accident? I think it's like an ATV accident or right. something. And he's just like, there's just been no information since then, which isn't good, but who knows? I mean, if he can return at some point, he's a really great athlete and the kind of player that they tend to get a lot of production out of. Uh, Dion Jordan was showing something at the end of last year, and I still think he's probably talented. So there's something to work with. And, and uh, Shaquille Griffin, who we now have, I can't call him Shaq anymore because of Shaquem Griffin, but uh, Shaquille Griffin looks like a really good corner. I, I don't know. It's it, it, I guess the thing to watch for is, is, uh, is this when is this like the equivalent of when USC had those sanctions looming and Pete Carroll was like, Ooh, I got to check out some other spots here. I wonder if, I wonder if Pete might uh, be like, you know, I want to spend some time with my family. I don't know if he has one, but just make up one if you don't have one and, you know, go to some better roster in a year and a half, perhaps. I don't know. No, that's, that's really interesting. I hadn't thought of that, but I mean, he, he's definitely the kind of guy and it, you know, I think it's easy to forget that, He's getting on there in terms of in terms of years, probably not quite in the mood to want to sit through a rebuild, especially one that would probably come along with, with a massive roster overhaul like what we're looking at. Yeah, I would guess he'll stick around just to be clear. But if uh, if they start zero and six or something yeah. like that, <laughs> maybe he'll just quit midseason. A Spurrier. Yeah, Spurrier, that'd be... But yeah, Pete Carroll's a, a, a weird guy, and he's been really successful. I think he's been, done a great job there, but I also think he's the kind of guy who might just be like, this This is a stupid game. I don't like this game. I'm not going to play this. <laughs> Picks up his ball and walks home. So yeah, uh, it'll be interesting to see to see kind of what comes of this and where, where, it all, where all the pieces land. It'll also be funny to watch the kind of politics of the Russell Wilson thing kind of take fuller form, because when a team isn't winning all the time and when it doesn't have like a strong identity on the part of like the defensive guys it's going to be like more of people just like hey michael bennett's not around anymore richard richard's gone uh cam and earl they're gone now i gotta hang out with russell mm. and his abercrombie uh model friends you can only you can only catch him yeah either at an abercrombie or like at the children's hospital yeah like oh man he's 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 always there's that one actual article like someone did some reporting into like his entourage and it was just ridiculous how there are all these like uh you know the like rich white kids who are whose dads are lawyers like Uh, they all look like that and like this is just like his whole crew is tanner just just like a bunch just a bunch of tanners and chads just 
in numbered t- Tanners and Chads. There was maybe like six of them, so two of each, I guess. Uh, it was it was quite a photo to just glance at, and it was like, wow, this is kind of exactly what you would fear about him. <laughs> I remember feeling bad when I unfollowed Russell Wilson on Twitter, but uh, that was before like the the he kind of came to the full uh, forefront of being that guy that hangs out with Abercrombie people, I guess. Um, but let's, let's move on. Um, let, let's talk about that Michael Bennett deal to Philly a little bit, because it could, you know, signal some sort of movement from the Philly side, because there's so much talent there and there's a lot of money in there too. And Chris Long is still under contract for this coming year. Um, Brandon Graham is as well. They just extended Timmy Jernigan. Um, it looks like Vinnie Curry could be the odd guy out here. So what, what do you make of that? And it, apparently this could be resolved, um, according to um, Adam Kaplan, who's kind of plugged into the Philly scene, uh, could be resolved within the next 24, 48 hours. I have no idea what kind of market there might be for Curry, but yeah, they don't need him. And he's a little less versatile than probably some of those guys. Like Curry's one of those guys who can only play 4-3 end, whereas Bennett's going to give them some snaps inside, I would imagine, and uh yeah they they just don't really need him they have a so much already there and that's the kind of wide nine high rotation sort of scheme that uh suits bennett well because it was a high rotation scheme that he played in in seattle it looks like it's the way to go have guys who are you know slightly above the average and then give them only like 60 percent of the snap workload and so they can go at you know 110 percent energy each right. time Hopefully you get the results of like all pro defensive ends while only paying, you know, 80% of the price tag that it normally takes to get them. So I think it's going to keep working. Schwartz does a great job there. It's probably going to be actually even better front four than last year. So So this is a, this is a big plus uh, for Philadelphia. And then, yeah, like you said, with with Curry, the market shrinks a little bit uh, due to that lack of versatility. He'll be on some team and maybe even a starter for some team. It's just kind of like he, uh, I don't think you're going to see him like standing up because that was like the whole thing when uh, Chip Kelly was there is like they had to have him play three, four end because he was at 270 pounds or whatever it was like he was still less of a liability basically playing defensive tackle than he was playing outside linebacker Uh, so he probably isn't going to give you uh you know great you're not going to be able to make him a part of like an amoeba front seven like the the patriots and probably the lions use so that's main limiting factor for him but he can probably rush the edge in a four three he can do that at least okay all right so there there will be someone that that ends up going and grabbing him and he's still you know he's still got some good years ahead of him too he's he's not like he's uh over the hill or anything um and then back to seattle for for a moment um jimmy graham likely gone uh the we'll kind of use this as a jumping off point to, to get to some more tight end discussion but where do you think uh, some landing spots for him could be? I've heard and seen rumblings of maybe a reunion with with, uh, with the Saints. The Saints obviously haven't gotten a whole lot of the way of uh, tight end production since he left. So, I mean, it would make some sense to me. Yeah, I'd, I don't know how much of a market he'll have. And if he's, you know, modest with his asking price, he could go pretty much anywhere. But I'm a little worried that he's actually toast like that patellar tendon tear that he had. He came back from it and did better than I expected, certainly. But it was basically he was reduced to a red zone specialist. Like we we as fantasy football observers were like, ah, he's okay, He's healthy because he's scoring touchdowns. I'm not going to watch the game. I don't care. He's but look, box score. Right. And 
there was a lot of inefficiency in his targets the last two years. I don't know if the drops were were all were at all related to the knee. Probably not. But his his whole like uh, you know psyche might have been thrown off a little bit. Uh, I don't think he's the same player he used to be in any case. No. So I'd rather pay Trey Burton. I guess they do different things. I mean Graham, you can probably have in line more often in Burton. You can't really, but. If I'm picking a tight end from this tight end class, I'd rather have Burton even for like the same pay because at least you know he can run and he can catch the ball. I don't really know if Graham can do much more than just uh, you know do the Bubba Franks thing, basically. Yeah, and and really to to your point, there was some numbers to to back this up. So, uh, 2016, the year that he was coming back from the patellar injury, uh, 65 catches for 923 yards, which which that's really being, good. Yeah, 14.2 yards per catch average. This year, he only had eight less catches, but he had uh 400 yards less of of receiving so that that goes to show you and i know he had like a, he had a troublesome ankle i think was okay. kind of a big uh limiting factor for him this past year but yeah it made him basically a statue it made him a guy that you know outside of the red zone or maybe if you need a short yardage first down he wasn't gonna be able to give you really anything else so maybe there's a chance that if that ankle is right uh you know coming into next year it, uh, maybe he'll he'll kind of have that bounce back year, but it's it's hard to imagine too much more left being in the tank for a guy with this kind of injury history, uh, who's you know going to be 32 by the end of next season. Right, at the least you would think it's safe to say he's not running anywhere close to a four five like he used to. No. Like he looks closer to a four seven guy, and if he's running a four seven, that doesn't mean he's not useful. Like he's still huge, still has a big wingspan in the red zone, but his days of you know pushing 10 yards a target i would imagine our long pass yeah i would i would think so too so i mean other than the saints is there is there anyone that you could think of that that might kind of be willing to offer their services i really feel like pretty much anywhere if they have the cap i mean even uh even maybe a team like green bay or something like that uh it's it's something like if he if he costs a lot of money you're kind of reducing the suit the suitor field to basically bad teams that do stupid things you don't normally have a successful team a a smart organization paying you know eight plus million for a 32 year old tight end who kind of got tossed aside by his last team after averaging 5.4 yards per target in a russell wilson offense so i think he'll either be cheap and uh somewhat intriguing to a lot or most teams or he'll be you know more than he'll cost more than he should and only be interesting to like buffalo <laughs> or something i'm gonna guess i'm gonna go with option a there i, I think that's, i think it'll that's be kind of pretty sense. cheap i think he'll get a pretty cool reception as a free agent okay that that's kind of what i'm hoping for too i think burton will get more money than sure. him yeah no he sh- as he should you know coming out of his rookie deal and uh doing what he did uh whenever Ertz was dinged up and uh, obviously having the impressive super bowl yeah there's a lot to like about burton so he he probably is going to be a guy that's garnering a ton of interest but support for this podcast comes from u.s bank If you're looking for a credit card that fits your lifestyle, look no further. U.S. Bank has credit cards that make every day rewarding, no matter what you're into. Feeling hungry? Check out the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. Earn four times points on takeout, food delivery, and dining. And get two times points at gas stations, grocery stores, and on streaming. That'll keep your wallet and your mouth full. Big spender? The U.S. Bank Visa Platinum Card has a low intro APR for large purchases or balance transfers. And you call the shots with the U.S. Bank Cash Plus Visa Signature Card. Choose two categories each quarter, 
Earn 5% back on your first $2,000 of eligible purchases from those categories. So don't just get a credit card, get the right card to make every day more rewarding. Cashback, merchandise, travel rewards, and low intro APRs are waiting. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. The creditor and issuer of these cards is U.S. Bank National Association, pursuant to a license from Visa USA, Inc., and the cards are available to United States residents only. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. But beyond the free agents, you know, there is obviously a draft coming up, and there's tight ends yeah. in said draft. It's not as great as last year, but there last are... Last year is special. Last year will be the best ever for tight ends, and this year it's not great, but there's a few guys that you would, for instance probably prefer over signing jimmy graham if you were looking for a tight end yeah i think you know the the main ones to to know that you know again this isn't like an oj howard evan ingram david Njoku uh type of situation here that the guys are going to take a little bit more time to really start producing um but guys like mark andrews out of oklahoma uh mike gesicki out of penn state we'll get to him in a second especially uh dallas godert um a lot of the the people that are more plugged into the nfl front offices tend to think that he might be the first tight end off the board hayden hurst out of south carolina is another guy um, that seems to be getting a fair bit of buzz as one of the first tight ends coming up off the board so what's sort of like your initial impression of this class and like if you do have kind of a a loose ranking of of where you'd go with these guys what would that be i think you got to put gasicki first among the tight ends after the combine that he had and i think his skill set might not be as good as godert or andrews's as pass catchers but Andrews kind of left me a little bit disappointed with his workout. It wasn't bad. It's just, it, it's more along the lines of a Max Williams kind of combine where you're like, I'd rather just wait till the late second before I picked this guy. And there's probably a decent chance he'll fall there. But uh, for, for what it's worth, Andrews, again, was not bad. He was 6'5, 256. So he ran a 4'6'7. That's good for his size. That's quite good, actually. It's more the uh, agility drills were not so good. The verticals, uh, the vertical and the broad jump were not so good. Whereas with Kasiki, everything was elite. Like he probably had, uh, I don't know, other than maybe. Yeah, toss o- out some. OJ Howard is probably like the only person who's had a better combine than him, if even him. But Kasiki, yeah, five. You, or sorry, you could say six six with him. It's he's listed at six five and a half. That'll probably get rounded up on a lot of uh, depth charts. So if he's six six two forty seven, uh, huge wingspan. Uh, hand size was big. The 40 was four, five, four, which is very fast for someone, his size, 41 and a half inch vertical, 129 inch broad jump, 6.76 second, three cone, 4.1 second, 20 yard shuttle. Those are all elite numbers. Exactly. And the only thing with Gasicki is I think his production legs behind his tools. And that it's not a, that doesn't like throw me off of a prospect, but it does at least make me question their, applicable upside for fantasy in the long term because i just don't know how much he's how much those athletic tools are going to specifically translate into receptions yardage touchdowns he's not a kobe fleener case like kobe fleener was uh more of a receiver tight end hybrid coming out of stanford but he had similar workout numbers like the 66 250 uh really fast forwardy and he was productive in college he turned out to be bad in the pros i think there's no real way to see that coming but it's just to say being huge and super athletic isn't an enough isn't in itself enough and looking at Gesicki's numbers they're not like red flags numbers there but it's like 563 yards 
on 80 targets in an offense that was generally quite good it's a little disappointing but he's also got nine touchdowns on those 57 catches so like the depth of the target might not be something you can really hold against him yeah i think i think with that offense this year it shifted a little bit um there's a greater emphasis on getting saquon barkley the ball in the passing game and then there you know there's um a fair bit to those other receivers so i think you're onto something there with the end of your point and there's guys like jared cook and michael agnew who were really super fast too but i i think i think that gasicki is is better than those guys in large part because he should be more like the oj howard who is on the field every play because he's a good blocker also puts him in position to get a lot of those you know play action goal line touchdown catches that are real easy um i'm not worried about him being like a cook agnew like disappearance act like he's going to be on the field i think he's going to be playing every play for some team for like the next eight years it's just the question is like if you have to take him in something like the first 20 picks in your dynasty draft i don't i don't think it's going to be a shrieking value or at least not the kind of anticipated value you normally associate with this sort of athleticism uh i just i need to see more than seven yards of target to to really buy in fully with with that i think and so i view him more as a a guy who probably finishes as like you know seven to ten range a lot of years for for the foreseeable future okay that that makes some sense um and then uh just what one last thing there uh all nine of his touchdowns last year were in the red zone okay that's that's definitely interesting and uh that's like one function you don't worry with him at all about he did it at the senior bowl too a fair bit like as far as you know those those drills uh he looked like he's a guy that can go up and get it yeah he's always definitely been able to do that and if there is a specific limitation i could hypothesize with him it would be maybe his athleticism is not super applicable for tight end tasks because he's kind of a lanky strider type. Like he's not a choppy foot, you know, Evan Ingram, Jordan Reed type of player. And there's a fine, there's a, there's a medium ground between uh, like a Bubba Franks and those, those short uh, fast guys. And then someone like Greg Olson, uh, who's very, very fast and, and basically was like an elite athlete, but he, he being six, five two fifty or whatever, he, basically looks like a receiver when he plays and uh produces like one i don't really think gasicki is quite in that level of like skill set but uh he's probably not far behind it and in any case i don't think he falls past like the 35th 40th pick yeah that, that's sort of where i'm leaning and like it, it really kind of depends on on team's needs i think i'd be shocked if any tight end goes in the first 20 picks yeah Um, me too i think once we start to get towards like 25 towards the end of the first round that's when i could see the first one coming off the board and and i think we can both agree that right now gasicki seems like he he'll be the first one off the board um after him though and and you know even if he doesn't get picked in the first round which you know maybe he doesn't even need to be maybe none of these guys are necessarily first round uh type talents I think he's still the first one, and, and again, not not falling past uh, pick number forty. He won't have to wait as long as, as Max Williams did when he was the first tight end off the board in two thousand fifteen. After him, it gets a little bit murky, honestly, because I think it's been like that this thing where Dallas Goddard is like this sort of urban myth. Like, oh yeah, no, he's he's good. Trust me, I've I've seen it, but you know he pulls his hamstring at the senior bowl when he's supposed to you know kind of prove that he's up to snuff with everyone else that's you know top of their class division one type of athletes and then uh sits out 
of the combine again. So, I mean, I'm not going to put like a million or a ton of stock into whatever pro day uh, comes out of South Dakota State. So, I don't know, man. Like, I, I don't think that he's a lock to be the second one off the board either. Right. It's hard to say because. I I don't I don't know what his injury is first of all like I don't know if he's supposed to be at the South Dakota State Pro Day and if he is I don't know what's a reasonable expectation but I think fair or not he might still be the second one because I think Andrews and Hurst uh, Hayden Hurst I don't think either one of them stepped up enough to really you know hold off any advancers and I think that the league wants goder to be this particular thing so much that in a comparatively favorable testing setting of his pro day he could do only slightly better than the numbers andrews put up at the combine and it would still be a chance for a lot of these advocates of his to just be like oh see that proves you're right all along yep and it's even if it should be adjusted to more like a four seven five than the four six eight or something that he's credited for just an example i have no idea what he's going to run but i think I, I just don't see a convincing case to put Godert over Andrews right now. I can see it over Hurst, but that's largely because of just Hurst being advanced age. And Hurst, I think, is looking like a, I don't know, third, fourth round. It's not such a good class, in my opinion, at tight end. And there's more of a, I don't know, just there's there's a lot of intriguing kind of later round prospect guys, but there's not much in terms of uh, like second first rounders after uh Godert after Gasicki and Andrews in my opinion I mean I I think that Hayes is a to- or Hurst I'm sorry is, is a uh, totally fine player I think that advanced age kind of would maybe lead it lead a team to you know see what they have with him uh sooner rather than later um so I I feel like Hurst is a guy that they still conceivably could go in the first two rounds but uh, I see your point there especially you know like the four six seven uh in the 40 yard dash and kind of average uh athletic scores elsewhere across the board but you know a guy that a guy of his size um I think that he he could kind of carve out a role I don't think that he's much better than like a like a John Carlson or anything, but he's a guy that, you know, could be a, a moderate producer at the next level. I feel like, right. I, I think that's a possibility. I'm kind of intrigued to see how the league actually receives him because he's been, he's been receiving generally favorable press, I think from NFL network type people, but Hayden Hurst is playing football because he was first was a baseball prospect, a pitcher. And he had the yips so bad that they were like, get this man to an emergency room. Like he was, he was just yipping out there so bad. And he specifically has talked about this saying it was like, I was so nervous. I was so anxious. And normally these NFL coaches are the kind of guys who are like, I'm sorry, what did you say? You have feelings. You're what? Get out. Yeah. So I can't imagine him going in there with these interviews and they're like, so what would happen with the baseball? And he's like, I got scared. And they're like, Oh my God, we got to draft him. So I don't know if that's quite how it went, but I can't imagine them being like charitable with their you know interpretations of of his uh, psyche basically or his a confidence or something like that i don't know maybe he's built up enough cachet of, play, of playing football at south carolina for the last three years to make people maybe uh lessen the impact of, of that yips uh storyline it would be really funny to me though is if he gets drafted and you know wherever he does and he's pretty good like 
promising player and then some playoff game comes along and he yancy thig pins the ball and he has like the yips come back and it's it's like a it's almost like an ace ventura scenario or something like that laces Uh, out but yeah it's like somebody's just like we told you this would happen and like they fire the gm over picking hayden hurst in the fourth round or something like that you knew he had the yips (laughs) you knew it um but anyway uh, he he probably he probably won't Yancey Thigpen the ball, but it, it will be it would be funny if he did though. It yeah no that's that's yeah it would be uh, pretty ridiculous. Um, let's see let's talk about some other tight ends that are sort of in this mix. Or, we got to bring him up because even though we don't even know if he's a tight end, but Jalen Samuels yeah he's your guy. Go ahead. Well, I think in dynasty leagues it's worth taking him in the second round, especially when everybody else is picking like John Kelly's and Carryon Johnson's guys who have exceedingly low odds of turning into like starting running backs in the nfl in my opinion anyway jalen samuels if nothing else might have tight end classification in fantasy and he might get like 50 carries this year he might get more than that he might get none but he was good at carrying the ball in college he ran a four five four we know he has like the athleticism basically to keep playing running back not at like a high level but his profile isn't that far off from someone like royce freeman or something like that so Given the skill set that he showed, especially as a pass catcher, I think there's a lot of ways you can imagine Jalen Samuels getting the ball and being pretty productive with it. So if you can get if you can get like 30 to 50 carries and 30 to 40 catches from a tight end in fantasy, like that could be pretty significant, especially because whatever John Kelly's going to give you. Right. Yeah. And those guys are, you know, fine as I think more ideally like third round picks and things like that, because they're going to be dependent on injuries to get on the field. They don't have the talent to just win a starting job, but like they don't. Um, so I'd rather go with Samuels because I think he's a better running back prospect than those guys anyway. And he could get tight end eligibility. So, uh, I don't know what he's going to turn out like Trey Burton, I think is a, is a useful template because Burton has a lot of that same skill set as Samuels and Samuels tested better than him. So I think he actually can make it work as a tight end and it still could be rational for a team to give him carries too. Okay. So, I mean, let's, let's look at the, I like the, the counterpoint to, to this, like what, what do you think uh, could happen that, that adds to like a downside for Samuels because he is, you know, undersized for, to, to fit into a tight end role. Well, uh, so Burton was six two two twenty four at his uh, combine or pro day. I can't remember which. So Samuels is heavier than him and faster than him. Burton ran a four six two. Samuels ran a four five four. So we we have a reason to think he can do what Burton does, whatever that is worth to anyone. Okay. And I think when when you run a four five four at at a two thirty or whatever, Samuels checked in at. It's like you can play running back, and if you can catch the ball, that's that's nice too. And He's probably a better blocker than most, you know, uh, passing specialist typed back type backs like pass catching guys like someone like Chase Edmonds uh, can be a good pass blocker, but it's probably not as easy for him to pick up the blitz as like a, a, a big body guy. Yeah, because Edmonds is like you know five eight five nine, like maybe two hundred pounds. Right. So those are the guys we usually think of as like third down backs, but it often makes more sense or, or just as much at least to go with you know Darrell Williams like LSU like he's a fullback like Mike Tolbert has kind of carved out a, a racket doing that for like 10 years now yeah. so uh but Samuels is a better athlete than these guys and he has a history of succeeding both as a runner and a pa- as a pass catcher so I think he's gonna be good and I, I don't know what exactly he'll look like I think he is basically like Larry Centers but there is no Larry Centers position anymore we, we moved him to tight end so 
it'll be fun to watch. I think he's going to get the ball though. And I, I think he's going to do pretty good. Okay. So, uh, he's definitely someone that, that you've kind of had on your radar, basically as long as i've known you like dating back to like 2015 so well that was more for college fantasy and even at the time i was like ah he's probably not going to do anything in the nfl but i didn't expect him to run a four five four it's been yeah it's been a crazy ascent for him and you know he's a guy that like you like you've kind of been saying is this jack of all trades um that that really uh anything that you ask him to do he's he's probably pretty effing good at it so i mean he's definitely interesting i just hope that he lands in a spot uh, with a offensive coordinator in in mind that actually can do something with his skill set, and there are a few places where if he does go, it's going to be really hard for me to stay away. Like even in redraft, like if he goes to New England, like I, I think they're going to give him the ball. Like, yeah. I think that I think he makes so much sense for Belichick, and um, I, I hope he goes there. But I also think there's probably a, a number of other teams. Uh, I don't know whether it would be good or bad, but I think they'll fall for him. I hope he doesn't go to a team where they're just like, this guy's cool, and they don't you know, have any idea of how to actually use him and, and waste it, waste everybody's time. But if he goes to uh, yeah, New England, if he goes to Philadelphia, there, there's a lot of places that he could go. I just want a smart coach, I guess, is yeah, the thing. That, that is the Because I think thing. they'll find a way to use him as long as they're not dumb. Well, let's hope that that ends up being the case were there any other tight ends for dynasty or you know coming up in this class uh that you think uh, bears mentioning not really there's long shots but they're they're long shots and we got to see i guess ian thomas and troy fumigali are probably the conventional next uh best but for me they're both guys who it's like the return like the replacement level of finding guys like them is so easy it's so low and their upside isn't probably high enough to really make it worth chasing them in the meantime Uh, especially a position like tight end where you usually have to wait at least two years so if you're going to bother with any tight ends after the uh you know uh gesicki samuels goder uh hurst whatever andrews yeah andrews i would probably just not spend anything more in the position in the draft and if you're looking for long shots to monitor in the long term it'd probably be like adam brenneman who was denied a combine invitation, but he's a former five-star recruit who was really super productive at Massachusetts, uh, but he had a bad knee injury like three years ago for which he formally declared himself retired for a year. Right. And it's hard to tell. It's like, it could be that and the injury that they held against him for the combine. Like maybe they think he's actually pretty good, but they didn't invite him because they're not convinced he's going to play football, something like that. I don't know, but uh, he was really productive at Massachusetts. If his knee checks out and if he gets a chance, if he does well enough at his pro day, I think we're going to see him because the skill set is certainly there. Um, and it's like, without that knee injury, it's fair to wonder like if, if uh, you know, Gasicki is his backup, basically because uh, it's hard it would have been an interesting show showdown because he's not the athlete that Gasicki is but he might be a better like pass catcher skill set wise even though he's nowhere near yeah, the he's, athlete he's catching a ton of passes this year at, at umass and last year too yeah so. but uh otherwise there's just weird guys way off the radar like uh wide receiver tight end tweeners like damon gibson at minnesota state moorhead and blake mack at arkansas state guys who I, I think have the athleticism to catch the ball at least so maybe make them worthwhile and like deep 
dynasty Devi leagues, but uh, that's just chasing upside at the presumption of zero cost. Yeah, and I, I think you know a couple other names to throw in there, but these are more like these guys. These are guys that are going to play tight end at, at the next level, but like they're not really going to be like good fantasy tight ends. I think that uh, a guy like Will Disley out of, out of Washington, I think he's lauded for his blocking, so he might be uh, picked. Uh, in the NFL draft a little bit higher than yeah. maybe we'd expect but he's not going to be he doesn't have like that super useful him and Durham Smith or whatever Smith as it yes. said yeah yeah it's Durham like those guys I would definitely say are going to get have better chances of getting picked than the the Gibson the Blake Mack types it's like you were saying they're they're more useful in real life perhaps than uh in fantasy and that that gets them into the real draft ahead of these other guys yeah so I mean that pretty much as far as like the fantasy relevant uh, guys, there there are five that we feel pretty good about um, from this class. Again, uh, you know, starting with Gasicki, Mark Andrews, uh, Godert, uh, Hurst, and Samuels, and then it, it it does kind of get into you're playing the the long shot game uh, after that. Um, so that pretty much is going to wrap up our tight end discussion, and that's going to wrap up our podcast for this week. We'll be back again next week with f- the free agency bonanza kind of getting out into uh, getting into full effect. So check that out. But that'll do it for us here today. For Mario Puig, I'm John McKechnie. Thank you for listening. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.